Well, I invite you to pull out your message notes. We are in this series, The Holy Spirit, and today I want to talk about the three baptisms in the Bible. Three distinct baptisms in the Bible. Many of us understand the water baptism uh, because it's something that a lot of us have participated in or we've seen before, and so we have an idea of water baptism, but the Bible talks about three distinct baptisms, and I want to kind of outline it for you today, because I think clarity helps people. You know, when you can kind of see the outline, and it's clear, and just have the clarity, it kind of helps you understand kind of the big picture of what's going on, and don't get hung up on the word baptism. The word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, and it literally is translated to immerse, cleanse, or wash thoroughly, to immerse, cleanse, or wash thoroughly is what the word means. And so let's look at these three baptisms. In your notes, point number one is the Holy Spirit, is the first baptism, baptizes us, the believers, into Christ, into Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. Let me show you this in Scripture, and then we'll, we'll talk about it for a moment. We have all been baptized Paul says in 1 Corinthians, into one body, meaning the body of Christ or Jesus himself, by one spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit. We have all been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is different from the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about in a moment. But the first baptism is when the Holy Spirit baptizes us, the believer, into Christ. Here's another scripture. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So what does this mean? What is this first baptism? The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. What this is, is salvation. This happens the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ. The moment you become a Christian, the moment you invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, or what we call when you become born again, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit because it's the Spirit that draws all men Unto the Son, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ. Now, the word baptizo, to wash, to cleanse, to immense, what does this mean? Well, spiritually, what it means is we are baptized literally into the blood of Jesus. Now, not physically, thank God, because that would be a mess. But spiritually, we are baptized into the blood of Jesus because the Bible tells us it was the blood that Jesus shed when he was crucified on the cross that cleanses us from our sin. Baptizo is to cleanse. It washes away our sins so that when the Father looks at us, when the blood of Jesus is over our life, the Father looks at us as perfect and holy and righteous. It's what we discussed last week. doesn't mean we're perfect in behavior or perfect in performance. We still have issues. It means we're perfect in our position with God. We're perfect in our position with the Father. We are, we are righteous because of the blood of Jesus. It washes away our sin. It washes He takes that which is scarlet and washes it white as snow. So the first baptism is salvation. It's the very first thing that we experience as 
Christians. Here's the second baptism in your notes. The disciple baptizes us in water. The or any disciple baptizes us in water. This is a physical act. Jesus says in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. First thing, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we, as followers of Jesus Christ, are called to go and make disciples. And when people become a disciple, when people accept Jesus Christ, when they're born again, when they, when they invite Jesus to be the Lord of their life, the first thing that we are to lead them to do is water baptism. That's the first thing we are to do. When somebody makes that decision to put Jesus first, we lead them into water baptism. And, and let me make it clear. Anybody can ba- any disciple can baptize another disciple. It does not have to be a pastor. A lot of people think that only a pastor can baptize. No, anyone can baptize. Last night, we had a married couple uh, come forward to be water baptized at the end of the service, like we're going to do at the end of the service today. And... We baptized the husband, and then I had the husband baptize his wife. Because any disciple can baptize another disciple. It does not have to be a pastor. But let me ask this question. Is Jesus our example? Are are we, as followers of Jesus, are we to follow Jesus? Are Are we to follow his example, yes or no? Yes. Well, let me show you this. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. Jesus himself, he didn't need to be baptized. He was perfect. He was the son of God, yet to set the example for those of us who follow him, he was water baptized. And at the end of the service today, I'm going to invite everyone that has made a decision to follow Jesus to be water baptized, to follow the example of Jesus. Peter says it like this, and Peter preaches the great message on the day of Pentecost. Those who accepted his message, those who said yes to Jesus, those who invited Jesus to be the Lord of their life, those who became Christians or were born again, were baptized. The very first thing they did after accepting Jesus is they were water baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. This is exactly why we don't tell you when we're doing water baptisms. Our water baptisms are spontaneous. We want it to be a surprise. We don't want you to, I, I have a problem with taking water baptism and turning it into a ritual or a ceremony. It's not intended to be a ritual or a ceremony. It is a spontaneous expression that I have made a decision to follow Jesus. And so spontaneously, I'm going to be water baptized to make the decision in my heart public. It's not for our family it's for Jesus. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of the service today when we invite you, for those of you that have never been water baptized since you accepted the message. See, a lot of us were water baptized as children or even as infants, and that was way before we had the ability to accept the message. Or some of us, because you know pressure from family, were baptized as teenagers, and then all throughout kind of our high school and our college years, we lived away from God. And, and just in the last couple of years, we've kind of renewed our faith, or we've come back to church or come back to Christ. Since you've come back, the question is, have you been water baptized? 
baptized. If not, we're going to invite you to follow the example of Jesus for those who've accepted the message and be baptized. Peter goes on to say it like this in 1 Peter. In baptism, we show that we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ, not because our bodies are washed clean by the water. We don't need a bath, but because in being baptized, we are turning to God and asking him to cleanse our hearts from sin. Water baptism is symbolic of the old person you used to be before you found Christ. That old person dying or being drowned under the water. And so when you come back up from the water, you are the new person Christ created you to be. It is that symbolic public, it's like a wedding ring. The wedding ring doesn't make me married. The wedding ring is simply a public symbol of a commitment that I made in my heart. And that's what this is all about. And this week I was telling my son that we were going to be doing a water baptism today. And he got all excited. And he's like, I want to get baptized again. And I was like, you don't need to be baptized again. You were baptized last year when you were seven. You understood it. And we baptized you. And, and let me preface that because when he was four years old, he really wanted to be baptized. And he didn't really understand kind of why or what it was all about. I was just baptizing some people in a swimming pool. And he really wanted to be baptized because he thought it looked cool. And I said, well, let's well, I asked him some questions, and he really couldn't answer them. So I said, well, we need to wait. He goes, well, I don't want to wait. I want to baptize myself now. And so he decided to baptize himself. Foom, foom. And he literally baptized himself in the swimming pool. And so I said, well, we'll redo that in a couple of years ago when you know what's going on. So last year we baptized him. And so he comes to me this week, and he goes, I want to be baptized again. And I said, well, you don't need to be baptized again. He's like, well, I want to. I said, well, why do you want to be baptized again? He goes, because I want to be a super Christian. <laughs> and in that moment, it was, it was, it was the Holy Spirit quickening my heart and, and just really spoke to me and said, no, that's not the second baptism. That's the third baptism. If he wants to be a super Christian, meaning if he wants to have the power to live for Jesus the way he's called to live for Jesus, it's not water baptism that gives you the power. It's the third baptism that we experience that unlocks the power to live for Jesus. And that's where I want to focus today. So let me take you into looking at the third baptism. Here's point number three in your notes. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself baptizes us, the believer, into the Holy Spirit. This is our focus. Why? Power. See, Paul said, I don't come to you with, you know, wise speech and intellectual arguments and persuasive words. I come with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to get hung up on all the semantics of this. You know, the Bible talks about this as receiving the Holy Spirit, infilling of the Holy Spirit, baptism into the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon you. But let me, let me, let me say, for those of you that grew up in church and have kind of a grammatical uh, error, this is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'll show you that. But let me show you first in Scripture, Matthew chapter 3. This is John the Baptist speaking. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave or carry his sandals. He, meaning Jesus, will baptize you, the believers, with, and that is a Greek preposition that could be translated as in or with, with the Holy Spirit and with 
fire. So he, Jesus, will baptize us, the believer, with or in to the Holy Spirit. Now, according to the Bible, this is different than what we just read in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 is by one spirit, we are baptized into one body. This is by that one body, Jesus. He baptizes us into that one spirit. So I want you to understand today, theologically, these are not the same baptisms. And not just theologically, but grammatically, these are not the same baptisms. Again, there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. And then there is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, where Jesus himself baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he wants us to have power. He wants to immerse you, to clothe you with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit so that you can fulfill the purpose to which he created you for. Because he gave you this purpose that is bigger than you. All of you have a, have, a, have a purpose for your life that is bigger than what you have the ability to accomplish. And so then he gives you the power so that you can live a life bigger than yourself. And this is extremely significant because this is found in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talk about the baptism into the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that significant? Because not everything is in all four Gospels. The Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, the baby in Bethlehem is not found in all four Gospels. It's only in some of the Gospels. So for, for something to be in all four Gospels, it is so important that God wants you to hear it in stereo, like surround sound. He wants to make sure you get this point. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic or similar Gospels. They all start with the birth of Jesus, and then they fast forward to the third year of Jesus' ministry. And John, about 80, 70, sat back and thought, you know, nobody really wrote about the first two years of Jesus' ministry. So John writes about the first two years of Jesus' ministry as well as the third, and he gives us stories that are not found in the other Gospels, like Jesus turning water into wine. John chapter 2 wasn't found in any other Gospel. The conversion of Nicodemus, the famous John 3.16, not found in any Gospel. The woman at the well that, that Jesus meets in Samaria, not found in any other gospel. Lazarus being raised from the dead, or the woman caught in adultery, or the blind man of John chapter 9, or, or the record of the conversation Jesus had with his disciples at the Last Supper, John 14, 15, and 16. None of those are found in the other gospels. So again, for something to be in all four gospels, it is extremely Significant. So what is in all four Gospels? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and baptism into the Holy Spirit. Let me show you this in all four. The next one is Mark chapter 1. Again, John the Baptist. I baptize you with water, but he, meaning Jesus, will baptize you with or in the Holy Spirit. Spirit, Luke chapter 3. So if you want to remember it, just remember Matthew 3, Luke 3, Mark 1, John 1. That's kind of how you remember where these are. He, meaning Jesus, will baptize you, the believer, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now let's look at it in the book of John. John, slightly different. Again, this is John the Baptist speaking. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, or God 
told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest, or other translations say remain. That is important. Because throughout the Old Testament, you see the Spirit descend, but the Spirit never remain. We see the Spirit descend on King Saul, and when Saul offered the burnt offering, the Spirit left Saul. David, you know, the Spirit descended on David, and then David sinned with Bathsheba. The Spirit left David. That's why David writes in Psalm 51, Take not thy spirit away from me. And so God is telling John the Baptist, the one you see the Spirit descend and remain and rest is the one, meaning Jesus, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So let me ask the question, when did the Spirit descend upon and remain on Jesus? When he was water baptized. When he was water baptized, the heavens opened and the Spirit came upon him. Not in him, upon him, the Bible says. That was Jesus being baptized into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming upon him. So here's my question. If Jesus being the Son of God, Jesus being perfect, needed the power of the Holy Spirit on his life, here's the question. How much more do you and I need it? Think about that. If Jesus needed it for his ministry... How much more do you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life? Because here's the thing. Many people don't realize this, but Jesus never performed one miracle because he was God. See, a lot of people think Jesus performed miracles because he was the Son of God. He was God. So he had all this power to walk on water and to multiply food and to heal people and to raise people from the dead. You need to understand, Jesus never performed one miracle because he was God. Every miracle Jesus performed, it was the power of the Holy Spirit because there were no miracles before the Holy Spirit came upon him. It was only after the Holy Spirit came upon him that the power was available to do miracles. Let me show you this in Scripture. Paul says in Philippians, though he, meaning Jesus, was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, look at this, he gave up his divine privileges. Jesus gave up his God power, his supernatural ability, all of his divine privilege. He gave all of that up and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being, meaning when he was on earth, he had no power. The only power that Jesus had on earth was the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that important? Because it takes our excuse away. Because so many of us, we like to look at Jesus and say, well, of course he walked on water and of course he healed people and of course he, he raised the dead. He was, he was God. I mean, he was the son of God. No, he gave up all of his God power when he came to earth. He had no God ability on earth. The only power he had was the Holy Spirit coming upon him. Let me show you this in Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. This is where the Holy Spirit leads Jesus out to fast and to pray for 40 days. It's when Satan tempted him three times. And so Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit, goes out and he meets with the Holy Spirit. He fasts, he prays. Now look at the very first verse after the fast is over. The very first verse after Jesus spends 40 days in prayer and meeting with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. 
That's a big difference. That's a big difference. It doesn't say Jesus returned in his power because he was God. Because again, he gave up all of his power when he came to earth. He returned in the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that is available to you and I. That's why Jesus says, you can do greater things than I have done. And that's the big why of today. Like, why do we need this third baptism in our life? Power. We need salvation. You know, we we need to give our life to Jesus. Water baptism is incredibly important. Jesus did it. That's how important it is. And we need spirit baptism, the three baptisms that we experience as followers of Jesus. And, And let me ask the question, did Jesus have all three baptisms in his life? Now, a lot of people will say, yes, you know, he he experienced all three. Well, it's kind of right, but the answer is really no. He didn't need the first one. See, the first one is salvation. The first one is what we call being born again. Jesus did not need to be born again because he was born right the first time. So he came to give us the first baptism by his blood that he shed when he was crucified, but Jesus was water baptized. And immediately after being water baptized, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him, upon him. Now, let me, let me take you to Jesus himself describing this becoming available for us at the end of this ministry. This is, this is after the resurrection, after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, he's in the upper room again with the disciples. He freaks them out because they're, they're scared to death. They're meeting in there. All the doors are locked and the windows are shut. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears in the center of the room and freaks them all out. And this is the conversation. These are kind of his closing words to him. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So you're saved, but you haven't got the power yet. So I want you to stay until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you with power from heaven. And then Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, also wrote, wrote the book of Acts, gives us this, he kind of recaps the same story at the beginning of the book of Acts, which sets off the entire book of Acts. So in Acts chapter 1, again, this is the same story. Luke is recapping it. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So don't leave until he sends you the gift. That's the power that, that, that I promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be, meaning you haven't been yet. You will be. It hasn't happened yet, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, and you will receive power. Again, it's about the power to live this life when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is a Greek word, epi. It's not the Greek word, en, which is into you. This is the Greek word, upon you, epi, to to fall on you. It's a completely different experience. Again, this is, not the, the, this is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit where he baptizes us into Christ. Because Paul says when we give our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into us 
as a seal of our salvation. This is not the Holy Spirit coming into us. This is the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And let me, let me show it more clearly by taking you to the very same story in the book of John. John includes a detail that Luke leaves out. Luke has details that John leaves out. They're all at the same event, watching the same thing from different angles in the room. So they all complement each other. But John includes a very important detail. Okay, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side. So again, I want you to understand this is the same conversation that Luke just shared in in Luke 24 in Acts chapter 1. This is the same event, the same dinner party. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Now look at this. Here's the detail that, that Luke leaves out that John includes Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Many theologians believe this is the exact moment in history we moved from the old covenant to the new covenant. This is when salvation by faith in Jesus Christ was established. This is the exact moment. Second, it happened. He breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. Paul, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, talks about the Holy Spirit becoming into us as the guarantee of our salvation. Now, here's the question. If Jesus in this moment breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, why in the same conversation would Jesus say, now go and wait to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit if these are the same thing? There's a lot of people think these are the same thing. These are not the same thing. These are different things. There is the Holy Spirit coming into us when we are born again. And then there is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit coming upon us? Two separate experiences with the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me visualize it for you like this. Here's two experiences you can have with water. One experience is water coming into you. This is an experience you can have with water. Water coming inside you. Here's another experience with water. That's water coming upon you. Both have to do with water. They're two separate experiences. One is in you. One is upon you. One is a baptism. It's an immersion. It's, It's the power falling on you. Let me outline these three baptisms in Peter's first message on the day of Pentecost. This is this is powerful to see this. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? In other words, we want to give our life to Jesus. Outline the process. Tell us what we need to do to follow Jesus. So Peter outlines three baptisms for them. Number one, he says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. That's salvation. It's giving our life to Jesus so that our sins can be cleansed. Our sins can be washed away by the blood Jesus shed on the cross. That's the first baptism. Then Peter says, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's water baptism. Notice how Peter just looks at this as a responsibility. This is not literally, not, not really an option to Peter. Peter's like, hey, if you give your life to Jesus, the logical next step is be water baptized. 
that's just the logical next step is, is, is we, are, we, we go public with the decision we make in our heart. Now look at the third baptism. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now that's not receiving the Holy Spirit as the infilling or the guarantee of our salvation. This is the gift. Luke talks about the gift being the power. The gift is the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Three baptisms. And there are a lot of people think, well, that was the book of Acts. That was a long time ago. That doesn't apply to us anymore. Look at the next verse. Peter says, this promise. What promise? The gift of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit to come upon our lives, to empower us to be the Christians God wants us to be. This promise is to you. That was the people who were there physically. And to your children. That's people who have not been born yet. And even to the Gentiles, that's those of us who are non-Jewish and all who have been called by the Lord our God. Is there anyone that's been called by the Lord our God here today? Yeah, of course, all of us. So this promise is for all of us. And again, you notice these three baptisms. Let me show you this in the ministry of the disciples in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 8. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, these people became Christians. They were born again. They believed the message of Jesus. They believed. They accepted Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. As a result, many men and women were baptized. So as a result of them accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they were water baptized. Goes on to say, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria, because Philip was one of the disciples, and he became an evangelist, and he went out to preach in different parts of the country, and he's in Samaria, and he's winning all these people to Christ. So the disciples heard that the people of Samaria accepted God's message. They sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, here's Peter and John, they gave them the right hand of fellowship, for they had received all that they would ever need. Now, that's not in the Bible, but that's what a lot of us think. We think all you need to do is give your life to Jesus and be water baptized, and that's all you'll ever need. But that's not what Peter, and and Peter and John, can I say, they know a little bit about theology. I mean, they wrote some of the Bible, and and they they actually were with Jesus, and they actually experienced it. So, So they understand a little bit, I would say, more than us. And so it's funny to me how we think like 2,000 years later, somehow we're now smarter uh, than than the guys who actually experienced it. But they knew a little bit more. So let's look at their actual response. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers. They were Christians to what? To receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon, not in them, upon them. Different Greek word. Any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. This is a separate experience. It's a separate encounter. It's not salvation. It's not water baptism. This is a third encounter with the Holy Spirit, the baptism into the Holy Spirit. There are many believers who have been saved and on their way to heaven. And all you need to go to heaven is the first baptism. That's it. You know, for Jesus to wash your sin away, that's all you need to go to heaven. There are many believers who've been saved and water baptized. But the reality is we we need all three baptisms in our life if we're going to accomplish the mission that God has given each of us 
on earth. And why wouldn't we say to the Holy Spirit, we want you too? Let me show you this in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Now again, Luke wrote the book of Acts. Does Luke know what a believer is? Yes or no? Yes. He knows what a Luke would not have used this word if it wasn't accurate. Luke used the word because he, he, Luke understands the difference between a believer and a non-believer. And here's what Paul says, the greatest apostle did. He's, now he's talking to believers. He's talking to Christians. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? To which a lot of people are today is like, Paul, don't you know theology? Like, like they, they've already given their life to Jesus. They've already, you know, received the Holy Spirit. So why is Paul asking this question? Because, again, he's not talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon them, a different experience. And can I say something about Paul? Paul is probably the greatest apostle in the Bible. Paul wrote a little more than one-third of the entire New Testament. That's a little more than one-third of what you wrote. I'm just saying. Like Paul knows theology. And so Paul asked this question to Christians. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Sounds like these guys grew up in the church I grew up in because we never talked about the Holy Spirit growing up. Like we didn't even really, like we knew there was a Trinity, but we never heard about the Holy Spirit. And as a result, I lived a frustrated Christian life for many years without the power to overcome issues and junk and live for Jesus the way I really wanted to live for him. I just didn't have the power to actually do it. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked, and they replied, the baptism of John, which is water baptism. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, or they, 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 they were water baptized again. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on, again, the Greek word epi, on or upon, them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. You see this pattern throughout Scripture three distinct baptisms. Let me show you this in 1 John. John says it like this We have these three witnesses, and these three witnesses all agree the Spirit, the water, and the blood. Who is the blood? Jesus. It's His blood that washes away our sin. The pattern salvation, water, spirit. Salvation, Water, Spirit, a pattern for us as believers. Holy Spirit baptizes us in Christ. Disciple baptizes us in water. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Let me show you one more scripture before we close. And this is the one where many people get it. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors, talking about all the people in the Old Testament, were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea, talking about the Red Sea. Now, a few verses later in chapter 10, Paul says everything in the Old Testament is given as an example for us in the New Testament. So everything they went through in the Old Testament is spiritually symbolic of what Christ wants us to do in the New Testament. Understand that. Now look at this next verse. Look, look how Paul phrases it and what Paul says. They were all, the people of the Old Testament, again, symbolic for us, baptized. Look at that. 
the Old Testament. They were all baptized into three things. Moses, and if you understand symbolism, Moses was symbolic of Christ in the Old Testament. Why? Because Moses was the Redeemer. Moses is the one who went to Egypt and got the children of Israel out of slavery. He was the one that asked them to put the blood over the doorpost. So Moses was a Christ figure of the Old Testament. So they're all baptized into Moses in the cloud, the, the pillar of smoke by day, the pillar of fire by night. That was the spirit of the Lord in the Old Testament. So the cloud is the spirit and in the sea, the Red Sea, the water. You see the pattern of three baptisms? Now, why do we need these three baptisms? Well, let me just break it down. First, salvation. Salvation is how we become a new person. When we give our life to Jesus, we're born again. The, the old has passed away. All things become new. So we need this experience. And, and, and again, this is the only one you need to go to heaven. Water. Water is where we cut off the old person. Again, we go under the water to drown the old sin nature so that when we come back up from the water, we are the new person Christ created us to be. So why do we need this third one then? Like, like what, what's the big deal about this third baptism, spirit? It gives us the power to walk in the new. Let me illustrate it like this. When, when, you're, when you're baptized into Christ, it's as if God gives you this brand new beautiful red Ferrari. And you have this red Ferrari sitting in your garage at home, and it is a beautiful machine. Like, it is gorgeous. It is just one of the most powerful cars, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yet, God doesn't give you the keys. How frustrating would that be? You've got this beautiful car sitting in your garage, but you don't have the key to drive it. Like, 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 like God, why would you give me this new car and not give me the keys to actually be able to use it and drive it? Because God gives you the keys on the third baptism. See, the third baptism is where God gives you the power to actually be the person he created you to be. He makes you new, but that stands all by itself. And then the water is that symbolic expression of cutting off the old. And then the spirit is where God gives you the key to unlock the power to live the life God called you to live. So let me, let me end with this, this is quote from my pastor. Because there is a lot of... Just, you know, there, there, there are a lot of camps in Christianity, and there's a camp that, you know, likes to pride themselves that we are the Holy Spirit elite. Like, we are better than everyone else because we have the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and so somehow we're like the best. And, and, and there could be nothing further from the truth. You're not a second-class citizen if you haven't experienced the third baptism. The, the real question is, why wouldn't you want it? Like, why wouldn't you want the power to live the life God called you to live? That's the real question. But getting it doesn't give us permission to look down on anyone else. So let me say it like this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. Doesn't make me better than anyone. Here's the truth. It makes me better than me. Doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. And that's the goal because on my best day, I fall short. So what I need is I need the Holy Spirit to make me better than I am. To give me the power to live the life he called me to live. So how we're going to close today is I want you, like, like this process is so easy. I know you'd love, to give me a, you'd love me to give you a bunch of complicated steps on how you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because we all like to earn things. That's the world we live in. But the reality is, Jesus says all you have to do is ask for it. Like ask that the Father gives you the gift and you will receive it. That's all the Bible says. And so what I want you to do this week is I want you to go be alone. I want you to find a point this week. If you haven't experienced the third baptism, 
I want you to go be alone, and I want you to ask, God, give me the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let it fall upon me. And if you're struggling with it, come to one of our prayer meetings this week. We'll lay hands on you, just like, you know, Paul and Peter and John did. They laid hands and they received it. Come to one of our prayer meetings this week. We will lay hands on you, and we'll believe God that you receive it. But right now, I want to talk to those of you that have not been water baptized since you have accepted the message. Since you have come back to Christ, rededicated your life to Christ, made that decision. Again, is Jesus our example as followers? Are we supposed to follow Jesus as our example? Yes or no? Jesus himself was baptized. Peter says, those who accepted his message were baptized. If you have accepted the message but never been water baptized, today is your day. Because in baptism, we show that we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. So I know what you're thinking. A lot of you are thinking, well, I didn't come prepared today. We came prepared for you. We literally have taken away every excuse you could possibly have to not be baptized today. Right outside these doors on the left, there is a check-in table for everyone that wants to be baptized. We have t-shirts for you, black t-shirts, not white, black for a reason. You can figure that out later. To be baptized in, the t-shirt is a gift. We're going to give this to you as kind of a a keepsake for this moment in your life. We've got t-shirts for everyone. And I know you're thinking, well, that's great, but what about my jeans or my dress? We have shorts in every single size you can imagine. Shorts, and this gets people because they're like, oh, I have no excuse. Now, you don't. You have no excuse. Today is your day. Baptism is a spontaneous expression of a heart for God. Not only do we have shorts, we have hair dryers, we have towels, we have bags to to put your stuff, and we have a security team that is going to watch your cell phone for the one minute and 48 seconds you're separated from it while you're being baptized. It will not go anywhere. We have changing rooms. You're thinking, well, my family's not here. We have a photographer available. They are going to take photos that you can share with your family. And again, this isn't for your family. This is for Jesus. This is a public expression for Jesus, a spontaneous public expression for Jesus. No excuse. Last service, a lady came up to me, first one to be baptized. She says, I'm scared to death. I'm nervous. She goes, I've sat through three of these every time I knew it was my day and I just didn't want to do it. Today I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. She did it. Stand with me. Stand with me. I'm going to count to three. When I get to the number three, I'm going to go change. And I want you that are going to join me in baptism today, go straight out the doors, go to the left, check in at the table, get ready, and come join me in the baptism. Our bass player, he's being baptized this service. That's right. So he's going to be last. It's going to be powerful. One, two, three.